night has fallen and fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up. You won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. You keep repeating promises to me. Now there's no stopping what you have started until it is complete. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up. You won't give up.
I was thinking how uh, we have been so blessed to know the love of God. And a lot of us, it's because of what our moms have meant in our life. And I just want to celebrate the fact to say happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, this is a recent picture of my mom. She's uh, going to be 95 in a few months. I'm so grateful that she's still out there and still living and serving Jesus Christ and being an example to me. And for those of you that maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mom or didn't know your mom, this isn't a really important day to remember a lot of the great women that have poured into your life that have just been an incredible blessing. A lot of you are uh, with your moms right now, and I want to encourage you younger kids that are watching this, we have a great uh, interactive uh, activity on our Facebook page for kids on the Kensington Kids site. Love for you to go to that. It's something you could do while the service is going on. It'd be a great way for your mom to be able to listen to the service. And one of the moms that we get to celebrate today is through our No Child. Uh, Peg Oman's been leading that for 10 years, done an amazing job, and touched innumerable lives. I'd love for you to take a look at this. Ten years ago today, on May 10th, 2010, Kensington launched our No Child Sponsorship Initiative. We wanted to bring hope to over 700 children in Kenya and India. What began as a big dream, an announcement from the stage, and a lot of prayer, hundreds of children were sponsored that first Sunday. And over the last decade, we've been able to change the lives of over 4,000 children in Kenya, India, and Nepal. That trip home from Kenya 10 years ago, I sat on the plane and I'll admit, I had a little doubt. I wondered what if none of these children get sponsored. But our God is so faithful and together we're powerful. We will continue to make change in the lives of these children that will last a lifetime. And we are gonna keep introducing each of those children to the love of Jesus. To all of you who've been part of No Child, whether you've sponsored a child or you've donated to projects, we are so grateful. And from the bottom of our hearts, we say thank you. I want every one of you to know that if you were the last kid on earth, Jesus Christ would come and find you and wrap his arms around you. And in the No Child program, we have got the ability to live that out for thousands of kids. So thank you for being a part of that. And thank you to the wonderful team that Peg and everybody that you've given your lives in these last 10 years, 10 years today. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And to know that Jesus has let us be a part of this. Just one of the many ways that Kensington invests in the world and globally and locally. And uh, this is a great time to take our offering, receive our offering. And thank you. So many of you have been giving during this time. A lot of you have joined in for the first time to be a part of this adventure with us. It means a great deal to us. And I just want you to know that God is using this team. I've never seen our team serving and giving like they are now. And also, while we're receiving the offering, I want to say to those of you that are new, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for you to join in and find out more about how you can be a part, how we can answer your questions. You become a part of this journey with us. We'd love to have you do that. All you have to do is uh, uh, go to our websites, kensingtonchurch.org backslash hello, or you can text this number, 248 781-2771. Text the word hello. And we would love to connect with you and make that happen into the future. And I just want you to know, to connect with us digitally this time is preparing us for the future as we know the new realities that are coming. Well, it's a great honor, honor now to introduce Ann Wilson and Jenny Warns, two of those women who've had a 
great influence in my life. Both of them are different stages of parenting, but both of them are doing a great job and done amazing things. And I know that they've got a great message, not just for moms, but for all the rest of us today. So let me pray for them and let's pray that our hearts will be open. Our Father, thank you that in Jesus' name we can come to you knowing that we're loved and welcomed and that you hold us close to your heart. Thank you for the message that you've given Anne and Jenny to prepare uh, to move something in our hearts today. We love them and we love and are grateful for every person that's listening in today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give me a drawer in your kitchen You gave me a room with a view of the yard Whatever the hurt you knew right where to kiss it You gave me the best of your heart You carried my rocks in your pocket Flowers and feathers and butterfly wings You had an answer to all of my questions You showed me wonderful things And I know it hasn't been easy I hope I love like you do cause I
I love that song. Isn't that just so good? I think the pictures with it too are so good. And we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Yay! Yes, happy Mother's Day. Day! I'm really excited to be with you. I'm Ann Wilson. I'm married to Dave Wilson. We've got three sons that are married to three amazing women. We've got five grandkids. Two of those are foster babies. And um, I'm excited today because I get to share this message with Jenny Warns. And Jenny and Justin, you probably have seen them. It's been fun to have them on a lot. But Jenny, why don't you introduce yourself and, and your family a little bit? Tell us about them. Sure. Uh, my name is Jenny, and I'm married to Justin. And we have four awesome, awesome kids, uh, three girls and a little boy. So our girls are nine, seven, and four. And JJ is 18 months and just, you know, wreaking havoc all over the house in the most wonderful way. And I think with this Mother's Day, we're all in different places. Like mm. for some of us, this is such a fun day. Um, it's going to be a celebration day. And I know for some of us, this is kind of a hard day. Um, my mom passed away in January. Gosh. And this is my first Mother's Day without her. And so... I think that some of us feel loss. Some of you have lost children. You've had miscarriages. Some of you have had prodigals. Um, some of you are struggling with infertility, and that is just weighing on you. Or you've wanted to get this foster baby or an adopted baby, and it just hasn't come through. And so it's this gamut of emotions that's just like motherhood, isn't it? It's like we're up and down. So before we start, I really want to pray for us today. Father, thank you for today. Thank you um, for the women, for the moms that sacrifice so much. And Lord, we pray that you would speak today. We pray um, that women would feel celebrated, that uh, you would heal some of the wounds we feel and some of the loss that we feel, that you would comfort us, that you would equip us to be the women and the wives you've created us to be. And Lord, I pray too for family members that are watching that they could really feel inspired to know how to love and appreciate their moms today. We need you. We pray that you would speak through Jenny and I today to encourage wives, to encourage moms, to encourage women and people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't think that I'd start out like crying right off the bat. But it's interesting, Jenny, You'll like, has anything really prepared you for motherhood? No, not at all. Nothing can, right? <laughs> My parents came to visit us six months after CJ was born. And we, were, we went out to eat for like the first time ever. And my dad looked at me and he goes, wow, things are looking rough. <laughs> and, and he said, how are you doing? And this is what I said to him. I said, dad, you know that I competed in gymnastics for 10 years. And, and I'm telling you, gymnastics is a brutal sport. It's just really hard. And then I said, I ran track for six years. I played tennis for four years. I was a cheerleader for six years. In fact, dad, I could go run a marathon right now without ever training. And none of that put together would compare to how hard this is. And I said, and yet it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And yet there's this, like, I can't even explain the love that I have for this child. And he's only six months old. Hmm. And I think that moms can relate to that. Do you think, Jenny? Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think all of us can relate to that. And even in the unique situation that we kind of find ourselves in right now, right, where um, some of us are momming and homeschooling and some of us working on top of that, right? Um, I'm thinking about the moms whose children are grown or maybe live far away and can't visit them right now. I'm thinking about like the new moms, like my sweet sister-in-law and also one of my very dearest friends, both gave birth to their first babies just a couple of weeks ago, right? So it's like the most wonderful time in their life, also most exhausting, um, but they're doing it without the supportive community. It's crazy right now. You know, I um, a couple weeks ago just put out on Facebook, like, hey moms, what are three words that you would use to describe how you're feeling right now in our current reality? And you're gonna see this graphic pop up where uh, the words that were said the most often are the biggest. And I just found it so interesting that even the top four or five could coexist, right? Like that we can feel incredibly exhausted, but so grateful or just ex extremely stressed or anxious, yet still hopeful about our time and what is to come for our families. And so, you know, I just, I felt like, man, isn't that true of moms though? Even before this quarantine, I just have so often felt like we live in this beautiful, sometimes painful coexistence of joy and frustration, right? And I just, I agree with you that there are times when I feel like, not feel like, but it's true that being a mom is the most wonderful part of my life and yet also the hardest, mm. right? I think it really, yes. And I think it kind of strips away any self-centeredness that we have in so many ways. Yeah. And it changes us forever. Yes. And so you guys, as you're listening today, kids, husbands, dads, I really hope today that you'll listen in because we're going to give you some tips and maybe some secrets of things that you didn't know of ways to encourage the women in your life. And here's a secret, okay? I don't know if you know this until you have babies or kids or adopted or fostered kids. But the truth is, and and I would say this, even blended, because some of you are blended and you have some stepkids. And the truth is, all of us moms carry this weight with us continually. And do you know what it is that we carry? I'm going to show you. You see this? <laughs> this is what we carry. We carry our kids. Let me show it again. You see it? Like... Our kids are constantly on our minds. They're weighing on us. We go to bed. We're worrying. We're thinking about them. And it doesn't matter how old they are. Maybe you're just trying to get pregnant. You're already there. Like, I carry the weight of wanting to get pregnant. Or your kids are gone. Or maybe your kids have passed away. You still carry this deep, deep love for your child that never, ever goes away. It's almost unexplainable, this thing that we carry. Hey, honey, uh, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I, 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 let me take this off your back. Don't touch no, my children. I'll Don't touch this. them. I'll take it off. Oh, you made one fall. Well, hey, let me do this for you. Oh. I do this every day. Is it Mother's Day? I do, every day I do this, but here, here you go. Something to, uh, your dinosaur yeah. fell off. No, it was my daughter. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but you guys, it's the truth, like, we carry our kids like we love them so much and it never leaves. I think Dave, when we would, our kids were younger, we'd go out on a date night. He'd be like, can you get your mind off of our kids? It's like, 
know they're constantly with me. And so before we start, we're going to talk about a story in the Bible. It's in 1 Samuel, back in the Old Testament. And it's about the life of a prophet named Samuel. But I love this story because it's a mom's story. And I'm just going to kind of walk through that story. And then Jenny and I will teach on it. But I want to take you to a woman named Hannah. And Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. And he loved Hannah. He loved his wife. But Hannah couldn't have children. And so in that day, a lot of times what would happen, even though God didn't want it to happen, men would marry multiple wives in order to have multiple children. And since Hannah couldn't, he probably married another woman just to have more children to help with their raising uh, animals on a farm or crops or whatever. And it gave them more of a source of wealth. And so here's Hannah, not able to have children. And in that culture, a woman's identity was totally tied to how many children she could have or if she could have children. And so once a year... The family would go to worship at the tabernacle. It's like the place of worship, but they would go there to worship and sacrifice animals. And so Elkanah would take his entire family there. And here's Hannah without any children. And here's this other woman who has all these children. And the other woman would constantly ridicule her, Hannah. And she would constantly berate her and tease her for not able to not being able for not being able to bear children. And so at one point, Hannah is so desperate, she goes to the tabernacle and she just starts praying and pouring out her heart to God. And she says, God, God, hear my prayer. And God, I will give you back this child if you allow me to have a child. And it's interesting, the priest there was named Eli. And he was an older man and he heard Hannah praying and he said to her, are you drunk? Because she was so distraught and he could see her lips moving, but she was praying in her head. And um, he said, woman, go in peace. God has heard your prayer. And so Hannah went away and I'll finish the rest of the story later. But Jenny, take us now. Like, what are some things that we can learn from that story? Absolutely. Well, you know, we see this um, in how God responds to Hannah, but the first truth that we want moms um, to hear and be reminded of today is that you are not alone. Now, I'm chuckling because throughout this uh, stay-at-home order, I can't tell you how many times I have just thought to myself, I wish I was alone right now. I wish I was. Like right now as we're doing this together is the first time I have been alone in the last six weeks. Um, but you are not alone. And we know, we want to acknowledge that some of you are in fact physically alone in your home right now. Um, some of us feel alone because we are quality time people and we're tired of looking at screens. Um, and some of us really truly feel alone, that we are the only women that feel the way we do right now. Um, but as we look at Hannah's story and in a few of the Psalms from David, I think we can know and believe that we are never alone in the way that we feel or in how we're experiencing our circumstances. You know, as we kind of looked at Hannah's story in um, the first chapter of 1 Samuel, there were some just phrases that stuck out to me. First, that that Hannah cried out to God and that she, she poured out her heart to God, believing that he would hear her. And he did. He heard her. He saw her. He was with her because that's who he is. That's the character of God, right? And, and as I 
was looking through the Psalms as we were preparing for this, there are just some beautiful Psalms um, from David that speak to this character of God as well. So in Psalm 145, verse 18, it says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. And two verses later, verse 20, the Lord watches over all who love him. And in Psalm 73, verse 23, it's David saying of God, you hold me by my right hand. And though those Psalms are written by David, I believe they are so true to us as well because they, they distinguish the character and the heart of God. He is near to us. He watches over us. And I just love, like, when I picture that visual image of God holding me by my right hand through this season, it brings me such comfort and joy. Um, you know, as I think of how God invites us to pour out our hearts to him, just as Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord. Um, that invitation is for me and it's for you. It's for all of us. Um, you know, when we found out that our kids were not going to be going back to school this year, uh, I kicked right into teacher mode. So I was a fourth grade teacher before joining staff with Kensington. And out of a desire to feel like I was not losing control of my whole life, um, I started making schedules and labeling folders and writing lesson plans. Um, but I, I made zero intentional moves for my own well-being. No plans for my own well-being. So after just like four or five days of, you know, staying up late to prepare and then running hard all day and just not acknowledging my own need for a relational connection, I think it was like Thursday night of that first week and I was just in tears with Justin about how lonely I felt. I mean, I, I had not gotten some good, like quiet reflection time, probably four or five days. I didn't talk to a friend in the same amount of time and I felt so alone so alone. And what God reminded me of, you know, that evening as I, as I did take some time, um, even late at night is that the enemy loves isolation because it just provides an opportunity for him to, to cast doubt into us about who we are and about who God is. Right. And in my case, I had just become convinced that I was certainly the only mom who was feeling overwhelmed or feeling this way. Right. And so, um, especially in this season, moms, I just want to encourage you to prioritize that quiet time with God where he can remind you that he is with you and that you are not alone. And I want to encourage you to choose community, community that builds you up, that pushes you in your pursuit of God in this season. And I will just make a shameless plug for our virtual small groups. Um, because we have some incredible groups starting up even this week that are designed to provide connection and community in a time when I think the enemy wants us to believe that that is not even possible. And so as we, as we go back to the scriptures, I was looking at this, that um, God says over a dozen times in the scriptures that I am with you. So kids, families that are in the room right now with your mom, you can help her with this. You can encourage her. First, just ask her how she's doing and really listen when she answers. Help your mom. Get some quiet time where she can be with God every day, even if it's just 10 minutes. Or maybe encourage your mom to go out on a walk by herself and just have an uninterrupted phone call with a friend because those things are great reminders to us that we are not alone in how we're feeling. Now, the second truth that we want moms to be reminded of and um, just to take to heart is that you are enough. 
Now, like I mentioned uh, before, when this whole homeschooling and quarantine stay at home really started, um, I had set the bar pretty high for myself. Um, not so much even for my kids, but I had a really high bar for me and what I expected um, for me to do and accomplish. And because of that, um, oh, less than a week in, I was feeling very overwhelmed, um, really disappointed, and incredibly inadequate. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, even yesterday, before 10 o'clock in the morning, I was in tears because I just felt like I could not be all of the things that my kids needed me to be yesterday morning. And I just think this feeling of inadequacy is one of the enemy's great, most used tactics against us. Um, the idea of comparison especially amplifies this. And because of everything being technology-based right now, I think that's really been amplified because of social media. But again, when I, when I go back to Hannah's story, and I think about how Ann shared, you know, that much of a woman's identity and value was based on whether or not she could bear children in this time, coupled with her husband's other wives just taunting and teasing, I cannot imagine the level of not enoughness that she must have felt for years. You know, Paul writes uh, in this, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, in verse 9, that Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Sufficient. I just, I love that word, sufficient, because it means enough. It's the exact opposite of inadequate. Jesus is saying that we are enough because he is enough for us. And when we are feeling our weakest or at our worst, that is when God's power is most exemplified. About, about a month into all of this, um, I, I made an anger chart. Like I have a little picture of it even. See this? Uh, I had a, a scale, like a temperature scale and some triggers and also some coping strategies. And um, my, my real <laughs> desire out of this creation was just to help uh, our, our kids navigate some of their emotions, what they're feeling, and also... Um, just bring some light and how to work through some of the sibling squabbles that uh, we've been having just on account of our extra time together in the house. And uh, one of those squabbles happened, um, you know, uh, a few nights prior, or right after creating that. And some unkind words were shared. And out of my own hurt and frustration, I did exactly what I was trying to teach and show my kids not to do. Up in their, their bedroom, I... I was trying to control their behavior, just correct their behavior. And I was so just frustrated. I just left the room like abruptly near slamming a door. And about less than a minute later, Justin came upstairs. Uh, he had just finished uh, a video meeting and he came in and he walked into their room and I could just overhear him, you know, entering into this gentle, heart level conversation with the girls about what was really going on underneath. And while I'm incredibly grateful for a husband and dad who is able to do that, I stood on the other side of the door just beating myself up. You missed that opportunity. You didn't handle that right. And it was a few seconds later that I heard that just like gentle whispering voice of God, Jenny, 
my grace is sufficient for you. Grace says it's okay to make a mistake. Grace says you can try again. Grace says you can walk in, you can apologize, and you can do it over. You know, there's this author that I have really come to enjoy. Uh, her name is L.R. Nost, and I just want to read this quote to you because I think it's so perfect for this. She says, parenting has nothing to do with perfection. Perfection isn't the goal, not for us, not for our kids. Learning together to live well in an imperfect world, loving each other despite or even because of our imperfections, and growing as humans while we grow our little humans. Those are goals of parenting. So moms, you, you are allowed to feel tired and exhausted. We give you permission even to feel overwhelmed. But in the middle of those feelings, listen for that gentle whisper of God reminding you that his love for you is unchanging, that his mercies extended to you are new every single morning. I believe in that God is extending an invitation to us to trade our pressure to perform and our pursuit of perfection for the peace of his presence. Because it's that presence that God offers to us as a gift and as a source of love and of truth. And I believe in the same way that God offers that presence to us, that our greatest offering to our kids is to be present with them because it opens the door for them to also experience the presence of God. So families, as you are in your living rooms even right now, I'd encourage you, practice extravagant grace and patience with one another in this season. Apologize often and forgive quickly because that's how grace is experienced the most. You know, moms, I believe that God strategically placed your children in your family, under your care. You are the perfect mom for your kids because God placed you and placed them with you. And so just as God offers us those things, you can offer your presence to your kids. So you are not alone and you are enough. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of what that looks like. To all the moms, old and new, we honor you this Mother's Day. This one's for you. To the mom defending her little one against the monsters under the bed, wiping away the mucus and tears from his head. To the pregnant mom anxious for the birthday, lean on God's strength each and every step of the way. To the older mom who looks back on her life, wondering if you did anything right, release it to God and a new story he'll write. To the mom whose body goes numb when the ultrasound is still, the silence is deafening and you can't understand this as God's will. To the tired mom in need of grace, sit at the feet of Jesus and look him square in the face. To the working mom juggling meetings and conference calls, dinner prep bedtime stories, you do it all. To the mom showing off her new baby through the glass, you're not alone, this too shall pass. To the mom who just wants to pee alone and is counting down the minutes until dad comes home. To the mom whose child has special needs, you're enough, you're a warrior, keep following the Spirit's lead. 
to the hopeful mom who longs to conceive, growing a family, a long-awaited dream. In the waiting and weeping, God promises to never leave. To the laundry doer, taxi driver, people feeder, grocery shopper, you don't remember the last time you had a shower. To the mom who received the title too soon, who packs up her dreams in childhood room, you are courageous. Please know that full well. God has given you a story to tell. To the mom entertaining with hopscotch and sidewalk chalk, living that quarantine life, you've always been the rock. To the single mom flying solo without a second to spare, the burdens can feel too heavy to bear. To the mom who has given her daughter away, she's your baby forever, even after the wedding day. To the foster mom who opens her heart and home to a child that may or may not become her own, your love is a seed so deeply sown. To the new mom in the sleepless early days, you didn't know the depth of your abilities. You'll persevere through this temporary haze. To the mom missing her own mama today, let God wrap his arms around you, it'll be okay. To the mom with a messy bun on top of her head, just waiting for the minute she can climb into bed. This isn't easy, mama, there are brighter days ahead. To the mom whose babies too early left this earth, your heavenly father embraces them with a love of infinite worth. To the mom whose son outgrew toys, hugs, and seemingly you, this is only a stage and he knows your love to be true. To the mom with vomit on her face, you're the living, breathing definition of grace. To the stay-at-home mom whose coffee is always cold, whose work goes unseen and accolades untold. To the mom who sees stretch marks and cellulite, whose jeans are just a bit too tight. God says your beauty comes from within. Don't believe the lie, you must be young, tall, thin. To the mom protecting her child from the storms of life, Jesus is the refuge from the world's pain and strife. To the mom walking through the deepest of waters, hear this, remember this, you are his daughter. As mothers, we are special. There is no nobler call. We are the masterpiece of God. He designed us one and all. Wow. How sweet was that poem and the pictures. That's why Mother's Day is so special. It helps us to remember the things that are really important and what really matters to us. And so, Jenny, I thought that was so good. I felt like I was resonating with every word that you said. And I think the final thought would be this, to remind us as moms that moms, you are making a difference. You really are making a difference. I know it doesn't feel like it all the time. I know it feels like you're doing more harm than good at times. Just kind of like what you said, Jenny, like, oh, I failed. And I remember feeling that as a young mom. When we started Kensington with the Nelsons and the Andrews, I was in constant comparison. Instead of looking at the greatness in my kids, I was continually thinking, oh, somebody else is making a difference, but I'm not. I remember being with the Andrews and they were reading the classics of literature to their children when they were like six and below. And, and Lindy Andrews, 
started reading when she was four. I'm like, how did she learn to read? And Steve's like, well, you know, when we read the Bible every night, she just started picking it up and taught herself to read. And then we'd be around the Nelsons, like they would just come out singing in harmony. And you know what you do when you're comparing your children, you're thinking, oh, they're making a difference and I'm not. And then we look at our children and we don't always see the greatness in them. I want you to see this picture that I have, you guys, because this is what normal living looked like at our house. It looked like insanity in times. We were listening to jock rock, is what they called it. And I just thought, what is going to happen to my kids? And it became a beating up of myself because I just felt like I was continually failing and like I wasn't making a difference. And I worried of what would happen and what they would turn out like. And I remember thinking, like, I'd go to bed at night, and I remember thinking, I need to be making a difference teaching them scripture. I need to be teaching them the Bible. And so I just thought, I'm just going to find out how they're doing. And so I went into Cody's room, our youngest, when he was 13. I said, Cody, like, could you name any of the disciples? And so he named a couple, and then he goes, and then Moses. I'm like, Moses? Moses, Moses isn't a disciple. And it wasn't a reflection of him that I saw. I thought, I am failing. I'm not making a difference. And I think, and it's just what you said too, Jenny, isn't that what Satan says to us? That you're not making a difference, but you are. And Jenny, it's so funny, as Jenny and I were writing this, I didn't even know what she was going to say, and she didn't know what I was going to say. But the thing that I put down was that our presence is the greatest gift we can give our kids, just like you said. And then I said, God's presence is the greatest gift that he gives to us. And so it's so crazy that we wrote the same thing. But then I said, if God lives in us, if you're going to him and seeking him and saying, God, I need you desperately, do this through me. And then you are with your kids. It's like the superpower. It's your presence and God's presence in you. And it shifts the atmosphere of the home. And so I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm, I've been a mom for 34 years. I've been married 40 years this month. And if I can look at you moms and tell you something, I want you to know this. You're making a difference. And those of you who have kids that are gone, you're still making a difference. Your presence in your kids' lives, your words of encouragement really do matter. I just wrote down a few things that you can do. One, lean into God's presence. And you talked about that, Jenny. Two, talk to God throughout the day with your kids. That's praying. Just talk to him. Let your kids hear you talking to him. Three, pray for them at night. And even if your kids are gone, pray for them over the phone. And if your kids are little, have them pray out loud. Because that's discipleship. Four, ask for forgiveness and let them see you ask God for forgiveness because that's discipleship. Five, or that was five. Six, teach them to hear God's voice. I think that's critical. And maybe that for us, like let's as moms, let's as people, as boys, girls, husbands, men, let's learn to hear God's voice and then listen and make sure that it lines up with scripture. And then here's the last one, apologize and confess certain sin in front of them. Like really just confess, like you guys, I'm sorry, just what you said, Jenny. And I think that what happens is when we exhibit those kind of things in our brokenness, in our failure, in our success, and we begin to see who God put into our homes, and even when they're out of your homes, 
we are making a difference. I look at my kids and I think it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I think they're amazing and I don't know how it happened. But it's God's grace, exactly what you said. And you know, the only action step left really is to surrender. I think the hardest thing for moms to do is to give God our kids. Isn't that the hardest thing? Because we think we have the best for them. And God is saying, let me carry them for you. And it's exactly what Hannah did. When she was praying in 1 Samuel 1.9, it says, Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Did you hear that? I, what? That is insanity. Are you crazy? The idea of surrendering this child? And here's the thing. Eli was a bad dad. He had two grown sons who were corrupt, who were stealing, who were cheating. And you're going to give your son to this dad who already failed? But Hannah didn't even see it like that. I think she saw it as, no, I'm giving him to God to raise. And I thought that's a whole new kind of thinking. We think it's all on us, but God is with us. He's saying, let me have your kids. Let me have your life. And I will help you raise them. You don't have to carry them alone. I will carry you and I will carry them. And then it's crazy because when it says when Samuel was weaned, he was probably about three years old. It says, Hannah takes him back. And she says in 1 Samuel 1, 26 and 27, she said to him, pardon me, my Lord. She's talking to Eli. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to, not you, Eli. Now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. <laughs> I can't, Jenny, can you imagine doing that with your three-year-old? No. And yet Hannah really did see, this is, this is you, God. You're going to raise the son. And God did raise him. God raised him and he became one of the greatest prophets, the greatest priests. He loved God wholeheartedly. He anointed King Saul. He anointed King David. There is so much that he did. And so I want to encourage us, one, to remember, moms, you're making a difference. Family, tell your mom today how she's making a difference in your home and in your life. Husbands, men, talk to your moms. Tell them, tell your moms what, what they have done to make a difference in your life. And then finally, this is going to be the hardest thing, and I'm going to say this too. The older your kids get, the harder it is to surrender because you don't have any control. Things happen to them. Things go on. Maybe they, they're making wrong choices, and yet God is still saying, give me your heart and give me your children, and I will carry them. So families, here's what we're going to do. I want, first of all, I'm going to have you as a mom. I want to see if we can all do this together. I'm going to give us a moment of time where we can actually surrender 
our kids to God. And so I'm going to ask you to either stand or kneel or whatever is comfortable. And I'm going to ask you to do that, to stand with your hands or kneel with your hands out like this. And I'm going to ask, yes, Jenny, good job. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to kind of take us through a visual prayer. And I want, and, and the reason I want you to do this is for your benefit. Because when we carry our kids, it's so weighty. And when you offer them up to God, it's the hardest, scariest thing you can do. And yet it's the most freeing thing and the greatest gift you can give your kids. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to envision your kids. Maybe it's the ones you've lost even, but I want you to envision them. And I want you to envision them like with you and around you and you're holding them. And now I want to ask you, I want you to picture Jesus standing in front of you and he's encouraging you. Like he's looking at you as a mom saying, well done. And now my question is, can you give him the most precious thing in your lives, your kids? Or maybe you're struggling with infertility. Can you give that to him and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I want you to picture handing those precious dear ones over. And now your hands are open. And Jesus wants to fill your hands with good things. What does he want to fill you with? Father, thank you that we can trust you. And thank you that you can help us. You're the one that's raising our kids and you love them more than we do. And we thank you that we can trust you with them. And Lord, help us to do this continually because it's not a one-time thing. We need to do this over and over and over, but we trust you, Jesus. And now family, here's what I would love for you to do. If you have a mom in the home or a stepmom in the home, men, husbands, I want you to gather around your mom, kids around, I mean, your wife, kids around your mom. And I want you, maybe mom, sit down somewhere. And I want you guys to put your hands on her, on her head, on her shoulders. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer over her. And I want it to be super simple. Some of you have never prayed out loud. You're like, this is dumb. If you have teenagers, like, this is awkward or whatever. But it can be the sweetest gift you give your mom. And so I'm going to have you put your hands on her. And here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray, Father God. Thank you for my mom. I want you guys all to say that. Thank you for my mom. And thank you that she, and now each kid, each person, I want you to say something to your mom. I'm going to give you time for that, to keep doing that. And I hope you will do that all during the day. Maybe you do that at dinner. And so, Jenny, will you pray just a blessing over our moms, but also families, and even what's going on right now? Thank you, Jenny, for doing this with me. It's so fun to be with you. Likewise. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every mom that is represented here. Every mom behind a screen in their living rooms or kitchens, wherever they are, Lord. Um, I pray that right now, 
they would feel a deep sense of your presence and your love for them, God. I pray that they would know they are not alone and that they are more than enough because of who you are in their lives. Help them remember that they are making a difference. Lord, I pray for the families, for the children that are represented by these women. Lord, for these families, we pray that a legacy of faith would extend for generations and generations on account of your love and how these moms show it to their children. Lord, we pray that, that these legacies and generations would be filled with joy, would be filled with humility, and would walk closely with you, God, for all of their lives. We pray that each would have a deep sense of your great unconditional love for them, God, and that through that power of your Holy Spirit, that they would come to know you in a way that is real and personal to them. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that allows us to know you so intimately. Lord, may you be honored and glorified through these families for generations to come. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may His presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you insecurity that Jesus is for us and that he's proved that every single step of the way that he has promised to be with us all the way and uh, it's just such a great reminder as we finish this day and I want to um, also before you go want to please invite you back to our midweek service Wednesday night the 13th I'm going to be teaching on Peter and walking on the water kind of successfully and unsuccessfully and the storms in our lives which we're all living in right now and also for this next Sunday invite you to a new series on signs where we're going to look at three different miracles that Jesus performed turning water into wine feeding the 5,000 and raising Lazarus from the dead it's really going to be an amazing few weeks that we have coming up and I just want to say to all of you the Lord bless you and keep you you're loved you're precious We'll see you soon.